Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. So, that, that first little description I gave you of, of laser therapy, that's kind of a good patient-friendly description, but we're going to have to get a little more, uh, we're going to have to get a little more technical because we're talking about healthcare practitioners deciding whether or not they're going to use laser therapy and how to use laser therapy for neuropathy. So let's get a little more technical now. Light therapies, uh, photobiomodulation specifically refers to the use of low level light in the red to near infrared range to stimulate cellular functions for physiological or clinical benefits. It's been used to improve wound healing, reduce pain, and many other human applications. Can be supplied by lasers or light emitting diodes. Lasers used in phototherapy and included in photobiomodulation are going to be, uh, like we said, LEDs. This particular study talks about low-level lasers in class three, and then what they call high-level lasers in the class four. So lasers are divided in different classes. If you're in the class three, they generally will go up to about 500 milliwatts. And then your class four lasers are going to be any lasers over 500 milliwatts. This study goes on to say the effectiveness of photobiomodulation on the target tissue is dependent on the parameters used, such as the light source, the wavelengths, the energy density, the light pulse structure, and the duration of the laser application. This is small and probably a little bit hard to see, I know, um, but I wanna put up here because there are several terms that are important to understanding how to structure good light therapy treatments. The wavelength, is probably the biggest factor here. If you don't have the right color of light, the right wavelength, then you will not have success with light therapies. The radiance, the pulse structure, the energy, the energy density, the time, these are all really important factors along with you know, the treatment interval. You know, how often do you treat um, for how many, how many days, how many weeks? So, if you want to know more about these particular terms, I'm going to encourage you to do our laser basics course. There'll be a link to that at the end, but I'm not going to go into this really heavy at the moment. We're going to get a little more into it though. So the application of red light is absorbed by the, by the enzyme cytochrome C oxidase. All right. We're talking here about the actual cellular mechanisms of how laser works. That's located in unit four, respiratory chain of the mitochondria. Nitric oxide is displaced, activates the enzyme, and this leads to a proton gradient which gives you calcium ions, reactive oxygen species, and ATP production levels that are increased. Near-infrared light does activate light-sensitive ion channels and increases the levels of calcium ions, uh, reactive oxygen species, and then cyclic AMP as well. And that drives increased cell differentiation, proliferation, and migration. If you want it in a visual form, here you go. Again, if you want the, uh, the links to any of these studies, let me know but we've got actual cellular effects that we expect to see when light is delivered to the cell. So like we just talked about, the whole mechanism is proposed to rest on photon absorption by cytochrome C oxidase, which again is that terminal enzyme in the mitochondrial respiratory chain that catalyzes the reduction of oxygen for energy metabolism. The more you can increase that activity, the more oxygen is consumed, the more metabolic energy is produced, um, and since CCO is an inducible enzyme, a longer lasting metabolic effect is achieved by laser therapy, low level laser therapies, upregulating of this CCO concentration. 
enhances the body's capacity for cellular, cellular and oxygen metabolism, right? And this is a nice little line about nerves here at the end. Because neurons are cells highly dependent on oxygen metabolism, this photonics bioenergenetics mechanism results in metabolic and hemodynamic alterations that can facilitate neuronal healing. It's a little preview to where we're about to go. All right. But not only do we have cytochrome C oxidase as a, as a photoacceptor in the cells, but also the interfacial water layers in the cell around the cell membranes and within the membranes of the mitochondria uh, are, are critical to having improvements in, in, in the tissues and in, in how well the cells function. When you have changes, volume expansion, and reduction in this interfacial water layer viscosity, then you get that ATP upregulation and cell proliferation. That's with the red and near infrared light, right? So we have two real main effects here. Not only do we think we're speeding up the functioning of cytochrome C oxidase, but we're also making these water layers more co, uh, I would say, you know, more compliant to where this process of ATP production can happen faster. All right. Again, throwing more studies at you, but let's get into the studies for diabetic neuropathy in particular. Now we've kind of talked about the mechanisms here. Uh, laser therapy, uh, this is a 2019 study. Laser therapy is an emerging treatment modality for the management of neuropathic pain. Works by triggering biochemical changes within the cells, like we just talked about. Evidence shows that laser therapy has a positive effect in controlling diabetic neuropathic pain. Uh, another study here properly designed laser treatment protocols with appropriate dosing guidelines is a viable therapy to increase limb blood flow. And we already talked about blood flow being really essential for the function of the nerves. Uh, but uh, if you can improve blood flow, then you may promote tissue healing in the clinical setting. Another study states that among the effects of photobiomodulation on nerve injury, it was verified that the laser potentiated the process of nerve regeneration observed by more, wow, yeah, I knew I was going to start with this one, morphoquantitative analysis of the axons and of the nerve fibers in addition, in addition to assisting muscular reinnervation. Photobiomodulation in the nerve injury was also related to a decrease in inflammatory cytokine levels in pain and to the facilitation of neural regeneration demonstrated by the levels of TNF-alpha, interleukin-1-beta, and GAP-43. So, not only pain, but these guys are talking about nerve regeneration, muscular reinnervation, and decreasing the inflammatory cytokine levels. This is a big deal because to this point, we don't really have other modalities that can stimulate nerve regeneration. 2019 study states that diabetic peripheral neuropathy is the most distressing complication of diabetic population, leading to a loss of sensation, pain, and amputation. We already talked about that. But laser therapy has been used to manage nerve injuries as it holds the potential to induce a biostimulatory effect with no side effects. That's a big piece here because your medications are going to have side effects. Laser therapy does not. There was a significant increase in not only vitamin D and magnesium levels after laser therapy, but improvement in the quality of life after laser therapy as well. All right. Another study um, with a nerve conduction study. The perineal and sural nerve conduction was increased significantly when laser therapy was applied, whereas there was no significant change in the control group. The mean amplitude of the perineal and sural nerve action uh, potential was increased significantly in laser group, and again, not in the control group. Skin microvascular circulation uh, was found to be increased 
by almost 36% in comparison to the baseline. This is again after laser therapy for diabetic neuropathy. And then patients receiving laser therapy had a 26.4% decrease in pain level through just four weeks of treatment, which is really pretty good and, and pretty rapid. This article says, given the non-invasive nature of the intervention, its high compliance rate and its safety profile, deep tissue laser therapy should be considered a safe non-pharmacological addition to the standard of care for the management of pain in older adults with painful diabetic peripheral neuropathy. Another study. To date, only Cymbalta and photobiomodulation can be considered to provide a modest benefit for patients with chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. Physicians may offer them for patients with cancer experiencing CIPN. This comes from a study where they looked at all the different, and I, I can't remember how many, 30-some different interventions and came to the conclusion that only Cymbalta and photobiomodulation has the data behind it to actually be recommended for chemotherapy-induced neuropathy. This statement's really strong. They say it can be concluded that laser therapy is more safe and effective than gabapentin in the management of neuropathy. Now, one caveat here, it, this is a rat study. This is not a human study. Still, uh, animal studies do give us a pretty good guideline uh, and a way to follow uh, with further human studies as well. It's just a really strong statement. So I wanna throw that in here too. Not only human studies, but animal studies show good improvements. For neuropathy in general, evidence from clinical studies does suggest it's time to begin considering photobiomodulation therapy as a potential drug equivalent. It may have minimal or no adverse effects, improved quality of life and functional status, and raise the current standard of care, which is what we're all about here. So at this point, you're probably going, okay, sure, whatever. If it works that well, why isn't everybody doing it? Well, for one thing, a lot of these studies are very new. They haven't really had time to hit the marketplace. Um, and laser therapy is still kind of looked at um, as in, in a light where it's not really supported by evidence, even though we have evidence to say that this is, this is really good. Um, so really it comes down to, in many cases, a guidelines problem. Guidelines become outdated as soon as they're published without an appropriate mechanism to make any guideline a living document. Uh, in most cases, it's an ad hoc process of updating these guidelines. Only 53% only of guideline developers had a formal place, a uh, formal procedure for deciding when a guideline is out of date. The inflexibility of the guidelines that are not updated when new information becomes available is a failure of evidence-based practice. So if we're going to be evidence-based practice here, not only do we need to look at the guidelines, we need to look at newer evidence as well. There are additional challenges, though, too, because not everybody's doing this because you have to have all the pieces in place, right? Not only do you have to have an effective and reliable device to deliver photobiomodulation, but you need effective protocols and settings. You need to know how to do it, what settings to use. You need to have a very good intake and reevaluation process for neuropathy. And if you're not a neurologist, you may not be very familiar with that. I know when I was in school, we got very little training on neuropathy. You also have to have a good supportive nutrition and supplementation prog uh, uh, program in place. If you don't have those things, then treating neuropathy is going to be very, very difficult to have good results with it, right? I mean, if you don't have a, a good laser therapy or photobiomodulation device, you're not going to get good results with photobiomodulation. <laughs> if you don't have good settings, you don't really know what you're doing, then you're just kind of hoping that what you're doing works 
without a really good pattern to follow, right? So all these things really need to be in place. And there are challenges for this. For one thing, there's a ton of photobiomodulation devices out there. Some are great, some are not so great. There's not any real consistent uh, consensus on what type of settings and protocols should be used. So those are two big barriers to getting this going more frequently for patients. As far as the settings go, let's talk about that real quick here. So the studies even say that laser therapy, uh, photobiomodulation therapy presents difficulties in selecting the most suitable parameters for its application due to the lack of standardization, since wavelength and power density and irradiation time and light polarization have repercussions on the biological effects that you get. Um, so picking all the right, um, let's go back to that one for just one second. Picking all the right parameters is a, is a real challenge. Uh, I'm going to give you everything that is out there in the literature right now for that, everything that I've been able to find, but it still leaves a lot of gray areas, okay? So this study, they said the wavelengths are usually in the range of 600 to 700 nanometers and 780 to 1100 nanometers with the lasers or the LEDs having an irradiance or power density between five milliwatts per centimeter squared up to five watts per centimeter squared. That's just the concentration of light within a given spot size, right? Um, this type of radiation can be a continuous wave or a pulse light, meaning it can be continuously on or it can be flashing and consisting of a relatively low density beam, which can give you, you know, less than one up to about 50 joules per centimeter squared. Joules is how a joule is an energy level that we use to measure how much energy is going out. And then that is a factor too uh, in how much area is being covered. So that's why we have joules per centimeter squared. Um, we don't usually see laser therapy devices in the range of 700, 780 nanometers. They just don't seem to be that effective. But we're, we're, we're in these uh, red and near-infrared wavelengths because that's where we get good penetration through the skin into the tissues um, and, and deeper penetration to these key target areas because of lower scattering and absorption by the tissue chromophores. This study actually did put out kind of an idea behind what they want to do. So two methods used to modulate neuropathic pain based on irradiance levels of near-infrared light at the level of the target tissue. Now, this is a key phrase, at the level of the target tissue. The skin is not typically going to be your target tissue unless you're down in the nerve endings. All right. Now, the first of these methods would use low irradiance in the range of 10 to 100 milliwatts per centimeter squared. Right, which again, we're talking about the amount of light going into a given space, not the device power. Okay, that will cause a decrease in pain response by altering the chronic inflammation and decreasing mechanical allodynia. And the second method utilizes irradiances in a range that's much higher from 250 milliwatts per centimeter squared to 1.73 watts per centimeter squared, which suppresses the conduction velocity or the amplitude of the action potentials for these C afferent fibers, these nerve fibers that actually carry pain signals back up to the brain. So you can actually block pain transmission with these higher irradiance levels. Again, we're not talking about, you know, one watt power in the laser itself. We're talking about an intensity in that spot size between 250 milliwatts to 1.73 watts. They say at this point, it, like, it's important to note that to transcutaneously or through the skin deliver these irradiance levels, uh, you're going to have to start with much higher levels at the surface of the skin. 
and they recommend kind of a combination therapy approach uh, between this first method and the second method. So you use uh, one treatment at a lower intensity and then another treatment with a higher intensity uh, to reduce pain, but also help with nerve regeneration. They do recommend treating along the course of the involved nerve, at least for the lower radiance treatments to alter the chronic pathology and inflammation. Um, I know we're running short on time here. Uh, a recording of this will be around if you guys can't stick around for the next few minutes, but I'm, I, like I said, I got a lot here, so I wanna push through everything I can. Essentially, there's gonna be three theories of applying light therapy for a polyneuropathy, all right? Number one is treating only the symptomatic area. So if that's somebody with diabetic neuropathy in the feet, you treat just the feet, right? Treating just that symptomatic region. Second theory would be to treat the nerve origin where it starts, right? So in, in our, you know, foot neuropathy case, you'd treat up at the spine and then follow that up with treatment in the symptomatic area um, down in the feet. The third theory would be to treat the entire length of the nerve, like the researchers in the paper we just saw mentioned, starting up at the spine, working the entire length of the nerve all the way down through the endings of the nerves. Three main approaches, right? Okay. That's about all I can get you from the research, all right? I would love to have more research to show you, but that is the most specific we can get at this point for what seems to work. If you can do this in practice, you can do it well, then most of the physicians uh, and healthcare providers that are doing this will report income growth uh, from anywhere from 10 to 80% uh, within about three months, depending on you know many factors, of course, practice model, your capacity, um, you know, how long it takes you to deliver these treatments and you know, how well you're doing with how well your patients are doing being the biggest factor here. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.